0: This morning we're starting a series, a new series called Jesus, Our Everything. He really is our everything. The more we understand who He is, the more we understand He meets every need that we have in our life. And we're going to do this series all the way up and through December. And this morning, Jesus, our Good Shepherd. If I said to you this morning that through Christ you are promised provision, protection, intimacy, rest, presence, anointing, eternal life, blessing, mercy, and fulfillment. Would that pique your interest? That's pretty incredible. And that's a short list. That's not exhaustive. That's not all that God is, but he is our everything. And through Christ, we get to personally experience all those things I just mentioned. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a familiar passage. Sometimes familiarity can breed contempt in that we go like, oh yeah, I know that. Heard that since I was a kid. I even have that memorized. That really has nothing to do with it. It is all about how are you experiencing this Jesus as your everything shepherd, as the good shepherd. That's the difference. Do we really understand provision or do we tend to get worried about finances? Do we really rest deeply in the Lord? Do we tend to get frazzled and worn out and weary? See, those are really the better questions. And We're going to cover those and talk about those this morning. So grab your Bible and open up to Psalm 23. I'm going to read these six verses over us. Then we're going to go back and look at each one individually. From the heart of the king, David, the shepherd, he was a shepherd. He gives us these words as directed by the Lord The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an incredible psalm, huh? The Lord, the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sometimes we take that for granted, and we think of God as this incredible, mighty God of the universe that oversees all that's going on in this world. And more specifically, intendedly, those that follow him and put their faith in him, that he's this great shepherd, this awesome, mighty God, this creator, this heavenly father. And we think in very general terms, but... This psalm, and then through the thread of scripture, you see so often we're reminded that he's a tender, personal shepherd, that he is a mighty God. We don't diminish him to also think, but he's a a tender shepherd that cares for me. And David reminds us that he's my shepherd, that he's your shepherd, that he's committed personally to you to shepherd your life. Yes, he can do that with all people that place their faith in Christ, but it's very individual and very personal. It's very, if you will, hands-on, face-to-face, day-by-day, moment-by-moment shepherding to the extent that he says, you shouldn't really have any needs. I know you better than you know yourself. I know the past. I know your present. I know your future. I'm your personal shepherd. I have all those things in mind for you. I'm going to meet your needs. You won't feel like you're a person that just is always looking for something next. There'll be great contentment in me. I'm looking out for you. Boy, what a great thing to realize about our God, that he's personally looking out for me, and he wants to provide good things that will build my life. We're not made to be masters of our own destinies. You figure that out yet? Sometimes it takes a while. We think, well, God created us, yeah, and he's there, and I'm here, and life is tough, and I've got challenges, and I gotta like, you know, dog eat dog, get my own, I gotta go fight for it. And we feel like, man, if I don't do it, then it's not gonna happen. And Jesus says, No, I'm your shepherd, I know your needs, I'll lead you, I'll provide for you. You don't have to worry about being the master of your own destiny. I want to be the master of your future, and I've already guaranteed it for you in Christ. He says he wants to equip us to handle. All the things that come with life. And that's part of his provision, too. He'll equip us as we go. He'll strengthen us when we're weak. He knows the pressures and knows how to relieve those pressures. He knows, as a good shepherd, what his sheep, you and me, really need, even when at times we don't know how to state it. You know how in scripture uh, in John it talks about how the Holy Spirit helps you put some of your prayers into words or through groans? that sometimes there aren't words for it, you just hurt, or you're, you're frustrated, or you, don't, you can't see the future. You're in a fog emotionally or physically or spiritually. And he goes, Even when you don't understand what your needs exactly are, I'm the good shepherd, I know what you need. I will provide that in the perfect time, what you need, when you need it. Pretty awesome. He is that shepherd that looks out over his sheep. Look at this picture. This reminds you, it reminds me, how it should feel to really walk with Jesus, that we can relax in a... Look at this, on the side of this grassy hill. You know, these sheep aren't looking real worried to me. (laughs) They're all kind of just enjoying the grass, and there's plenty of it. They're not really looking for the wolf. They say that sheep really don't get the whole wolf thing. (laughs) That one of their friends could be being eaten next to them, and they don't run. They just don't... They don't pick it all up, okay? They can't add one and one together very well. So that's why you need a shepherd. So, does that remind you of yourself at all? It's like with, sometimes we don't get danger. Sometimes we don't get, oh, there's the grass and I need to be led to it. Sometimes we don't know when we need to rest. This guy knows those sheep. He knows how many, he knows their name, they know his voice. He knows how to provide what they need. He's a good shepherd. He looks like he's carrying a staff or a club. He knows that if a wolf would get anywhere near any of these sheep, they're in for big trouble, and he's going to deliver it. We have that kind of shepherd in our life that wants us to be well-fed, our needs taken care of, not desperate from the world, but just trusting in him. And the rest of the psalm just then goes and describes how he will shepherd and give us this. Now, the parallel passage in the New Testament is found in John chapter 10. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So David recognizes even before the advent, the birth of Christ, when Christ came with this earth and took on flesh and then himself said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus or David being a shepherd was pointing to God as our shepherd, knowing that Jesus would come and be that shepherd. And very personally, then Jesus says, I am your good shepherd. I know you, my sheep, and you know me because I'm your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's given you the best thing he could ever, ever give you. Himself and his presence. That's really the thing we need more than anything else is to know God is with me. Even when I think I'm wandering away or far from him, he is not far from me. He's with me. He's my personal shepherd. I can be personally related to the ones who know who knows every need in my life and he has a plan to meet those needs so i don't have the want i can be content in him verse two and these just kind of build and like i say he kind of explains what the shepherding looks like and feels like experientially verse two he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters isn't it awesome to know that you don't have to tell jesus when you're tired he knows it When you're getting depleted and your tank is on fumes and you think, oh, I'm fine. I got miles left. He goes like, what are you (laughs) saying? Like, you're so fragile or brittle right now. All it's going to take is one more person to cut you off on the highway and you're going to blow, right? He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows when you're on fumes. He knows when you're feeling depleted and you're worn out and you need to rest. How much does the world care about your rest? Well, if you'll rest in me and bring your money, then I might care about your rest. But usually the world is just full of expectation, right? There are people in our lives that want something from us. They demand something from us. Jesus goes, I'm not demanding anything from you. I just want you to trust, lean in on me so I can care and provide for you. And you're depleted right now. You're exhausted. I want you to lie down by a green pasture. I want you to lie down in a green pasture Buy this still water. What a picture that is. I want to provide for your needs so you're hungry and you're tired. So guess what? Why don't you lay down in your lunch? <laughs> Just chill. Just enjoy this and eat. Just let me restore you and fill your appetites with me. Know that these still waters are there. They're calm so that they allow your spirit and your heart to be calm. One thing about still waters is there's great reflection opportunity, right? You look on the face of a still water, a lake, or a pond, or slow, slow-moving you know, little stream or something, a river, and you can see the reflection of God's creation. So in his own creation, he reflects his creation. When it's still enough and our hearts are still enough, we see the reflection of God and his handiwork and his might and his power, and yet we're so small and we get to sit in his creation, enjoy reflecting on him and his goodness, and then it causes us to reflect on our own heart, And it really brings thankfulness to our life. It starts filling us with perspective. And sometimes with that perspective, then we realize the adjustments we need to make. It's really hard, I've discovered, to make adjustments that God would want in my life until I slow down long enough to reflect. How has this period been? You know, Julie and I are kind of officially empty nesters now. I mean, yeah, we may get the boomerang thing where one of the kids may come back into the house for a little while, right? They swing back. Um, But I think we're pretty much like out of that phase of raising the kids, they're, they're all independent now. It's now a different kind of season and it's a different reflecting that you do. Now, you may just be starting home and like you're reflecting on the fact that the new baby is robbing your sleep, okay? So you'll get to reflect around three in the morning as you're walking and bouncing that baby around. No, but it's whatever phase we're experiencing, it's it's great each day to lie down in a green pasture by a still water and reflect on what God's doing in this season of your life. Again, so you can have his perspective and then make whatever adjustments you need to make and how you're kind of walking out your life with the people that you love. Perspective comes when we slow down. When we get into open space, like those sheep on that hillside. When we enjoy the abundant provision of the Lord, we meditate on his goodness. We breathe in. don't anyone ever tell you when you're getting a little, a little worked up, they just go, take a breath. To be able to each day just take deep breaths, looking up, looking out, away from the frantic pace, away from a screen or your phone or a demand or work, just to take some time with the Lord, looking into his word, praying, even if it's just groans at first, even if it's just, you're not even sure, but just you're, you're saying, God, you know, the contents of my heart, you know, the pressures, you know, and to just feel like he gave you permission to just lay down, rest in him, relax in him and enjoy him for a few moments. Boy, that is so important at the start of the day. Now around here, we call it the first 15 and, uh, Wow, it may be five minutes for you, depending on your day or what's happening, maybe three hours. The time is not the issue. It's, is, it, is it a need and is it a priority in your heart to start your day and say, I need to start slow? I don't get going fast in the morning. I don't know about you. I need coffee. <laughs> I need some time in the Word. I need to pray and reflect on God's goodness and His truths. Sometimes as Julie and I are having devotions and we'll talk about something we're learning sometimes, just completely quiet. We'll pray and just kind of give the Lord today. And then as you go through the day, you know there are different times where you need to pull aside and just look at a still water. In other words, get away from the crush of the white water and the rapids and the craziness and get still with God. How well do you do that? Do you feel like that's productive time? Some people struggle feeling like, oh, well, I'm not getting something done. Well, you may get stuff done in the flesh, but it, it, it could build resentment in your heart if you don't go pick some green grass and lay down in it reflect on the lord and enjoy his presence in your life now when we go to wisconsin we just went out there a couple weeks ago for a family wedding and uh there is a lake on a, a family uh lake house that they have and they invite us to and we we sit out there and we look out on the lake start the morning and you look out on the lake and at this time of year there are lot not a lot of boats out there maybe one fishing boat and they're all bundled up with this little chili but man to look out on that lake bring so much rest in your soul i remember talking to Julie, and she goes like yeah this is probably how do you phrase it hon? Huh? just like your happy place like one of the best most restorative places on earth for her and i go yeah it's probably in my top three i enjoy that and i enjoy going to the to the beach and just looking at it god's creation like the might the power the beauty i'm so small compared to it but he loves me He actually says he created that for his glory and for my enjoyment. So you have the right to say, this was made for me. That lake, lake, this rest, the peace I'm feeling, the beauty of those dark green trees against a bright blue sky and a sun rising and a still lake, that was made for me. That's my shepherd saying, take and eat and receive from me. And when we get that, you know it, right? You know where your little happy places are. But to say each day I need to just curl up in the lap of the Lord and read his word and pray and then throughout the day, we have that opportunity. In fact, I put a cool picture on my screensaver. So whenever I, I'm on my computer in the background, I've got this awesome, I don't even know where it is in the world, but it's like turquoise beach or waters on this white beach and a couple palm trees just kind of lazily kind of bending out over the beach. And I'm just like, wow, just looking at that picture. Do you know that scientists say if you look at a picture of creation, you fill your whole view. So if you get up close to something, you're looking at a book and it's kind of all you see in the frame of your vision, you have much of the same reaction in your heart than as if you were really right there. So do that, right? Pictures of creation. Get out in his creation. Start your day by quieting your soul by the still waters of the love of Christ and open up his word and be Refreshed. Let him remind you that he's shepherding you and he's going to take care of your wants. Pretty awesome. Look at this picture. Oh, he already put it up. Perfect. Danny, thank you. Does that do anything for you? He's painting his majesty for you. We were in a plane, obviously, to get out to Wisconsin. And the clouds, the way the the sun was hitting the top of the clouds, looking down, at the clouds, you know, the cumulus, the big bumpy round ones, you know, the Michelin Man kind of clouds. You're like, looking down on that and being above that, I'm going, he did that so eventually when we would be in a plane, on top of it looking down, we'd go like, whoa. Why did he create planets we haven't been to yet? So when eventually we get, what's the big telescope that we have created? The uh, Hubble? We'd see the majesty and the creative power and might of God and realize he knows me. He created me. I know him. He calls me by name. He's my shepherd. So maybe one day in the new heaven and the new earth, we'll be able to lie down on a lake on some planet in some Milky Way we've never been to. But on this planet until that day, on this earth, we're given a lot. If we can just appreciate it from God's perspective and rest in it and receive it and then say, Lord, thanks that you speak those truths to my heart as I go through the day. I can always pull aside and speak with you. I can always open your word. I can reflect on a promise. I can pray with someone. I can then literally at times, I can get away and walk in this park or go by that lake or pull out a picture book or look on my screen and just be reminded that God of creation tenderly loves me as a good shepherd. To keep that balance so in this passage, it's interesting. Even that, that one verse, it's the lying down and it's the leading. It's both. Lying down, you're very still. You're just taking in. And it's worship. It's purposeful. It's good. Sometimes we have to be reminded of that. That's not being lazy. Unless you stay there, you know, for four months. It's not, not doing something that God approves of. He greatly approves of it. It's all worship when you recognize His power and His might and His presence. And then what's going on in your heart and then there are times where he goes, okay, and he leads us. So like that shepherd, it's going to be time to move to another pasture. You know what? You've been eating a lot. You need some water. You're going to go over here now. We're going to go by that still stream, and you're going to get a good drink of water. And then you know what we're doing this afternoon? We're hitting a pretty steep part of the hill because a storm's coming. And I want to get you to a place that's a little safer. But we're going up the hill, and it's pretty steep, so stay close. So he'll lead you when to lie down, when to get up, when to walk and follow him tenderly. And as he does that, he restores our soul. That's what he says in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you hear the word restore or restoration, what do you think of? There's an original state. Maybe you think of like furniture, like Darcy Richardson. I don't know if you know this, but she like redoes furniture. She restores furniture. And I was, I was talking to Mark about it. He goes, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. The condition they come in. And then when she's done restoring them back to kind of their original condition, the owner of that furniture, they're so happy. They're so pleased. It's like they get giddy. Because they know how that piece of furniture is going to look in that room. And they have the spot for it picked out. And they know they're going to put this on and some flowers on it or a vase on it and some pictures on it. And all of a sudden, it's restored to its original beauty. That's what the restoration of God does for our soul, for our personality. We can get so brittle and down and depleted and empty. and He goes, I want to restore you. But walk on my path so that I can restore you. Keep following me. Lie down now. Okay, let's get up now. Let's take the hill now. Let's pull into the cave now. Just keep walking the paths of righteousness that I lay out for my name's sake in your life. It will fill you. It will restore you and bring you back to your kind of your best original self. Sometimes life robs us of really who we are. Christ wants to restore the strengths in your life, He wants to restore the gifts that He's placed there, He wants to restore the brightness of His Spirit in you. And sometimes that gets kind of torn and depleted, and we're not really who we were meant and called to be. Look at this picture. Would you like to walk this path? When Julie and I went up the coast last summer, we snapped a couple photos. And this is Moonstone Beach. I don't know if you've ever been there. And uh, there's like about a half a mile boardwalk. This pathway is awesome. Boy, if that doesn't restore your soul as you look out on the beauty of his creation, if you keep following that path about another quarter mile, at the end there's some really goofy seals, spotted seals. They're awesome. And you laugh and you look at it and you go like, only God could come up with that, right? Or then you go up the coast further and you see those elephant seals. I do have a picture. I didn't think of putting it up there. These elephant seals that bash against each other and they look like they're laughing and they're grunting and they're like, and they're chilling. I'm telling you, they do know how to chill on the beach. They know how to just really take a few hours and think of nothing except how warm that sand feels, that sun feels. But he says the paths that he chooses for us are righteous. So many times in life, we're tempted to walk down the wrong paths. Maybe a path someone else puts in front of you. Maybe the employer wants you to do something. You're like, that wouldn't please God. Or a path in your own flesh or hurriedness or sin or whatever it is, emptiness. You, you, you want to go down a path that won't fill you. And, and yet the pleasure of it, you want it. So you kind of do it. And then you feel like, oh, it's an empty path. And you come back. Jesus says, just keep following me on a righteous path. It's going to be an awesome path. Sometimes the path takes you to the pasture where you're going to lay down. Sometimes the path is taking you to the stream where you're going to get filled up. Sometimes the path is going to be hard because it's rugged and steep and narrow. But I'm with you. I never leave you. Remember, I'm a good shepherd. I'll just send you on your way. I lead my sheep so I may lead you through that. So whether it's easy and bright and wonderful and full of joy or challenging and hard and dark even, at times. He holds on to us. He leads us in righteous paths for his name's sake. He wants to make his name great through your life. And as Jesus' name and his ways are lifted up in your life, you get filled up in the process. Isn't that awesome? We're not left like, oh, it's all about Jesus, I guess. I guess I get nothing. (laughs) Oh, about Jesus again. Came to church. It's about Jesus again. It's about Jesus being your shepherd so he can fill you That makes his name great because he's the need filler. He's the protector of the sheep. And it makes him look good as we're safe and trusting in his protection. So it brings great, great pleasure and honor to the king as we walk that closely trusting him. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Why does he say that? So the shepherd carries, you know, a long crook or a rod or a club of some kind, right? Why does that comfort the sheep? Why should that comfort you and I? Because you're protected. If you had a shepherd who's going to take on a wolf, come on, guy, come on, give me your best shot. The wolf's probably going to win, right? But the shepherd's got a club and he's going to beat away that adversary and that enemy. Whatever enemies will come at us in this world, Jesus said, I am your protector. I am that shepherd that carries the club or the staff, that crook, the shepherd's crook. The reason it's shaped like that, I I learned, is because that way the shepherd can reach out past what may be dangerous for the shepherd to get to the sheep that's in great danger and pull them back to safety. So it's an extension of the love of the shepherd to have a staff. It's the extension of the love of Christ to walk so closely with us that he will protect us from the enemy and rescue us and guide us using the rod or the staff, whatever is appropriate for the situation. John 10 28 tells us how we're protected. I give them eternal life, this is Jesus speaking, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to fat, snatch them out of the father's hand. So Jesus is telling us he is our protector. We don't have to fear evil. And then he says it himself in John 10, he says, "You can't be snatched out of my father's hand. The father gave you to me, the shepherd, Jesus the shepherd, and I will protect you and no one can snatch you out of his hand. Your future is set. Your relationship as a child of God is guaranteed. You don't have to live in fear." Now the world says that is not even possible. You have to have fear because you don't know what's going to happen next with your job. You have to have fear because you've got these relationships in your family that are always tense or challenging. Now, you should live in fear because, you know, economy, you know, economically, look what's going on. Look what's going on politically in our country, let alone all the other nations that are fighting and vying and, and all the nuclear stuff that's going like, what? How can we not live in fear? Well, we recognize we have a mighty God that's sovereign over all of this world. He's the one who puts up kings and takes them down in nations. He's the one that exalts a nation. It's righteousness that exalts a nation and honors God. God is in charge. He's wrapping up human history when he chooses to. He's going to bring the new heaven and the new earth. He's going to gather up the all. He separates the goat from the sheep, the sheep those that follow Christ and love him, and the goats those that choose not to. And he says we'll be resurrected to either judgment or to life. The sheep, you and I, because we place our, our faith in Christ, we get resurrected to that life and that future. We don't have to fear anything, any situation, any future catastrophe, any set of circumstances, any relational difficulty. You don't have to live in fear of it anymore. How does that make you feel? You don't have to. You can choose to. I can choose to. We don't have to because we have a heavenly Father who put his son Jesus in charge over your life and my life, and he's a good shepherd, and he doesn't miss a beat, and he never leaves us, and he doesn't get scared of the wolf. (laughs) Darkness doesn't freak him out. The future and the unknowns, he knows it all. He's prepared good things, not only today in our present, but in our future. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. No one can change the fact that you're mine, that you're my sheep, that you're my child, that you're precious to me. No one can change that. That's who you are in Christ. How does that make you feel? Amen. That's who you are. You may not live out your identity at times, but that is who you are because you've placed your faith in Christ. He's called you and made you his own. You're one of his sheep. No one's going to pull you out of his hands. Nobody and nothing ever. And he's coming back for you. That's to give you deep confidence. Not to be an arrogant jerk and like push people around. Oh, I know who I am. It's your settled. Circumstances, situations. Oh, they said something about you. Oh, they did this. Oh, you didn't get invited. Oh, this happened. Oh, someone else got the promotion. Oh, the investment went the other direction. Oh, we don't know what's going to happen. You just say, God, you're my shepherd. I'm counting on you. I'm leaning into your promise. I'm going to live by faith, not by fear. Fear will not rule me one more day. For some of you, it would be the greatest freedom you could ever experience. It's just to believe that your good shepherd says to you, I will take care of your tomorrows and your what-ifs. You can live by faith. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Guys, this gets so incredibly intimate right now. The shepherd becomes your host. You become his guest. The enemies that surround you, I don't just mean physical, spiritual enemies, whether you feel like you have them or not, or just life can be hard or not, cannot affect or change the fact that the shepherd is preparing a table for you and he'll do it in the presence of your circumstances. It's like, oh, when I make everything perfect for them, then I'll call them in for dinner and have them sit down for a meal. In the midst of whatever's going on, every day he calls you to sup with him. He's setting a table for you. And you know what he's going to serve? What do you like the best? There could be some tri-tip up there. <laughs> Yesterday, there was this chopped salad we had at Tyler and Emily's little baby shower. It was just like a bowl this big. It's just like, oh, finally. I was like, oh, it's such a good salad, Right? probably be that probably be i don't know a reuben sandwich because you love reuben sandwiches you haven't had one for two weeks you're really hungry you're really tired he goes i know what's going on have a seat he puts the towel in his arm he brings you a reuben sandwich and you go wow i love this man the circumstances didn't change i gotta go back to work i still gotta deal with whatever that may take months or years to be resolved or reconciled but my shepherd said he's prepared a table for me and when i sit down he comes over and just to get things started he anoints my head with oil anointing is a sign of blessing right he's going to anoint you whenever your scalp is dry and brittle When your life is feeling dry and brittle, he'll anoint you if you ask him to. If you come into his presence, you sit, you allow him to start feeding you. He anoints you with oil, the blessing of his Holy Spirit. And then he fills your cup. Got to have a nice glass of whatever your favorite thing is. I know when we go out to Thai food, do that uh, almost every Saturday night. It's, It's kind of a cool... Julie's mom invites us and we go and that's kind of a pretty pretty fun family tradition and you know what i really like the basil chicken a little spicy do you like a spicy tie but you know what you need when you have about five bites of that in your mouth cold water and you know what's awesome is when the guy behind the counter when the waiter realizes my glass is right down about the last ounce or so and he comes i'm the happiest guy at the table because I'm going in for another round of the spicy Thai. And it's going to be good. And you realize, wow, so attentive. And when that, it's just, that's such a simple thing. You just go, well, it's a... that's why he chooses it. Because it's such a daily thing. We usually have one or two or three meals a day. But there are those occasions when you just need to sit and let the king, the king call his subjects together. The shepherd call the sheep together. The father calling the son and the daughter together. Just sit down. And let them anoint you. Let them fill you. Let them provide for you. Not, no, 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 no. I should be doing that for you. Like remember what Peter did when Jesus was washing their feet? He says, no, just receive from me. There'll be a time where you'll get up from this meal being satisfied and full and you'll go out and serve others. But right now you receive from me so that you're full and you can go out and serve others. An overflowing cup, a sign of his great provision and blessing in your life. It brings hurt. It brings hunger and healing to the hurts. Do you ever get so hungry your stomach hurts? Get a little nauseous? You're like, oh, I just need to eat. I just need to eat. Do you get that way spiritually? You're so dry. You're so hungry for the presence of the Lord. You just need to eat. You just need to sup with him. Do that. Don't neglect that. Sit down to the table that he's inviting you to each day. Let his love overflow your heart and your mind. Let his anointing fill you and direct you. You'll get back to the circumstances of whatever things you might have to face, but you'll be strong now. You'll be reminded of his love. And then verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He starts out by saying, I'm the good shepherd, right? I'm going to take care of all your wants. Wants like what? Well, you're going to need to rest because the, the road is weary and long. You're going to need to lie down at times. I'm going to take you by great passages. You need to eat sometimes. You need to fill up. I'm going to lead you on good paths. It's going to make Jesus look really good in your life and it's going to fill you up in the meantime. You're going to walk at times through dark or treacherous or steep or ragged ways, but I'm with you and I won't forsake you. And I'll protect you through it all. You don't have to be in fear. And I'm going to. Put meals out in front of you on a daily basis that will bring fullness to you and anointing and blessing. And I want you to know that at the end is really just the beginning. This is all just a setup and it's practice for being in my very presence where all that will happen all the time perfectly without sin, without stress, without sickness, without anything scary, any darkness at all anymore. I'm just getting you ready for what it's going to be like in the new heaven and the new earth forever. Surely, goodness. And surely mercy will follow you every day you have life as one of my sheep. Receive it, live in it, count on it, lean into it. Mercy means what? He doesn't have expectations you can't meet. He knows you're weak, he knows your frame. Mercy is he gives you what you don't deserve. You know you haven't earned in any way. You know you mess up, but he forgives you and he has a merciful response to your weakness. And he keeps walking with you and keeps growing you and keeps feeding you. Oh, I don't deserve another good meal. You're right, but I'm giving it to you anyway. Drink and eat deeply. And you will one day dwell in the house, his house forever. That's your identity. That's the plan. That's the path. That's the future. We have nothing to fear. We just walk closely with Jesus and he'll meet every need that we have. We can travel light, right, you guys? We have to travel heavy with burdens. We can give those burdens to him each day. He, in exchange, gives us an easy yoke and a light burden. He's yoked with us. It's a yoke that is well-fitting, like two oxen together, well-fitting. They pull together the same direction. They're fruitful and effective. Jesus says you'll be fruitful and effective, and it's well-fitting, and it's not difficult. It's sure there's work. It takes effort. But it's well-fitting, and it's not a heaviness like the world puts on us. It's a light burden. And next week we're going to talk about how we can travel light and experience this light burden and easy yoke as we turn to Matthew 11. So come and enjoy that next week too. But now I want to just kind of sum up, and I want to read this over you. It's a kind of a way to just let the Lord remind you of what we've covered this morning. So I just want you to close your eyes. Just enjoy a time to relax. In him, I'm going to read these over you. His promises to you. Jesus gives me rest in a world of relentless activity, demands, and expectations. Jesus restores my soul in a world that emphasizes self-centered pleasure that shrivels the soul. Jesus remains with me in a world of broken promises that leaves people lonely for love and belonging. Jesus protects me in a world of fear where you're told to protect yourself. Jesus leads me in a world that says you're the master of your own destiny. Jesus provides for me in a world that oppresses the weak and preaches survival of the fittest. Jesus anoints me in a world that demands that you earn your own blessing. Jesus fills my cup to overflowing in a world that drains your resources, emotions, and energy. Jesus gives me goodness and mercy in a world that runs to evil, retaliation, and revenge. And Jesus gives me everlasting life with him in a world that tries to convince you that this life is all that there is. We have an amazing Jesus. What a good shepherd. Okay, open your eyes for a minute. And I want to put a couple of reflection questions out there for you to reflect on by that quiet stream or green pasture, that time with the Lord that you have today, each day, this next week. Reflect on these. In what area of your life do you most need to rely on the good shepherding of Jesus? Maybe talk to a spouse or a friend or in your life group. And secondly, when can you take time each day to lay down in green pastures or walk by the still waters with Jesus? I came up at our table at the men's breakfast yesterday. It was like, how how do we do that when we're all busy? How do we carve out that time at the beginning of the day or at the best time when our heart and mind is most available to God? We each need to figure that out and then enjoy Him and receive all that blessing from Him. So we're going to have a time now to just pray and to worship. We're going to have an offering so I encourage you to be generous as the Lord's been generous to you. But let's take a deep breath right with the Lord and just say, Lord, thanks for shepherding us. And Let's just turn our heart to Him right now and let's pray together and then we'll worship. Jesus, we want to thank you for being the Good Shepherd. For your deep An everlasting commitment to me and to each of our brothers and sisters here today. A deep commitment to always provide and shepherd us perfectly in all circumstances at all times. Thank you, Lord. We often don't lean into that and we want to direct and lead or shepherd ourselves. But Lord, today, forgive us when we've done that. We do want to open our hearts to your shepherding now. And more and more each day, Lord. Thank you that our future is in your hands. We can count on you. Thank you for all these great promises of provision, protection, intimacy, and rest, relationship, mercy, goodness, and our eternal awesome home with you in the new heaven and the new earth. We can't wait, Lord. But until then, Lord, we just want to be about you and your glory. Make your name great in our lives. Shepherd us, Lord. We want to respond as sheep that just love you so much for the fact that you have given us this life and rescued us. Receive our worship, Lord. It comes from an overflowing cup. Our hearts.